Have you ever experienced a dry, itchy scalp or ever wondered why your color isn't lasting as long as your hairdresser promised? Well, unfiltered, mineral-filled water could be the reason why. Did you know hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin? And that about 85% of the United States uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered showerhead comes in. Known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, Canopy is dermatologist recommended. This unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water. Best of all, the Canopy filtered showerhead is hassle-free, installation's a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement. Go to canopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, Gore listeners can use our code ROSES at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Creams and serums are made of 70% water, 15% preservatives and emulsifiers, leaving only around 15% for the active ingredients that your skin needs. But luckily now, there's fiber skincare. 15 years ago, the scientists behind fiber skincare started working on nanofibers, which are 500 times smaller than human hair. You know, I I saw that in um, Three Body Problem. Mm. One year ago, they patented a way of wrapping the nanofiber around oil or liquid-based ingredients. This means they can deliver five times the active ingredients compared to creams or serums, as there is no need for water, preservatives, or emulsifiers. The first formulation made with this technology is plant-based, anti-wrinkle. It's a set of patches that you use over a series of seven days. You just put these on whenever you would apply your serums and your skin is going to feel tighter in 10 seconds. And over the seven-day program, it has been clinically proven to reduce wrinkles by, get this, 19.4%, a very precise percentage. In fact... Mm. They have a tighter skin guarantee. If your skin isn't tighter in seven days, they're going to give you your money back. No questions asked. You get the tighter skin guarantee with this seven-day routine. Tighter skin or your money back. Get a 15% discount code by using the discount code GAME. That's Fiber Skincare. If you are a wine lover like myself and you got to have it for your bachelor reviewing parties, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I found the personalized, the most personalized wine club that has amazing wines and exclusive perks called First Leaf. As a First Leaf member, you get to try new wines and I'm guaranteed to enjoy them because they got to know my unique preferences. I answered a few questions on their website, this quiz about the flavors you like, how often you drink wine, Monday nights, if you prefer red, white, or rosé. And based on these, it gives you this amazing selection of wines tailored just for you. And when you rate those wines, it gets even more tailored, a la, you know, uh, Netflix. Just play into the algorithm. My algorithm got me both rosé and white wine, my Mm. favorites, and they were so delicious, and I've gotten to enjoy them with many of my my friends. Look, being part of the First Leaf Wine Club also has perks. As a member, you get access to their incredibly helpful wine concierge. So if you want uh, wine pairing advice or you want to talk about the wines in your box, you can always talk to one of their experts. Plus, you get member-exclusive pricing. What's in the box? On every order. Join 
the club today and discover new wines you'll love with First Leaf. Go to tryfirstleaf.com slash roses to get your first box. That's T-R-Y-F-I-R-S-T-L-E-A-F.com slash roses. Tryfirstleaf.com slash roses. It's the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. This is the Game of Roses. I do want approval from you, and I do want approval from... Oh, yeah. Cute. R- Lee, <laughs> right? But it's like what what matters is that Katie and I are on the yeah. same page. Like, you ultimately mean nothing. Welcome to Game of Roses. This is Pace Case. This is Bachelor Clues, and we have just concluded viewing... Of Historic Bachelorette Season 17, Katie Thurston, and we now know that she found love. She is engaged to her ring winner, Blake Moynes, and right now, as it stands, the bubble seasons have produced four relationships, and all four are still together. We are talking about... Wow. A prolonged and sustained wowie, just like the bubble seasons, prolonged and sustained. We had Claire Crawley and the Mossman Dale Moss. They are still together. We then had Tasha Adams and Zach Clark. They are still together. We then had Matt James and Rachel Kirkconnell. They were apart for a minute, but back together and working things out. And now, of course, we've got Kitty Thurston and Blake Moynes. Will the bubble seasons be the most successful seasons in terms of building relationships of all time? Time will tell. Time will tell. Those are some four TRR relationships. Indeed. More maybe than any other little kind of time period in the the entirety of our beloved game. But tonight was absolutely incredible. Top to bottom. We saw things we'd never seen before. We saw an editing style that kind of merged after the final rose with the finale in a way that we've never seen before. Usually it's the finale comprises kind of the first two hours of it. Then after the final rose takes up a big chunk of like the hour in the end. This was kind of evenly spread out throughout the entire three hours. That was pretty fascinating. A lot of really interesting stuff happened, I we thought. We saw a 4TWR acting school accusation. The <laughs> merger of things that are happening online, the fourth audience's examination of all the different kinds of things that come out after players get kicked off. We're now seeing it get sucked into the game. Caitlin is saying, can you explain the accusations you're saying? I mean, we'll get to it. We're getting way ahead of ourselves, but... Yeah, can you get into Phantom Night 1? Some of our viewers might not be caught up on this. (laughs) If I was there, I would have done it. But there was a lot that went on tonight. We cannot wait to break it down for you. But before we get into it, we have to remind you all that you can still pick up a Do You Hooju t-shirt until the end of this week. You just go to bonfire.com slash hooju. And we've been posting a bunch of the ones that people are sending in, wearing the hoojus, doing the hoojus. All of it is fantastic. We love to see it. And if you haven't had a chance to pick up that shirt, you can do so again until the end of the week at bonfire.com slash hooju. And you can also pick up the 4TRR t-shirt until the middle of next week. And that's at bonfire.com slash game of roses. By the way, did you see Blake Moynes honoring the Hooju in his Instagram caption of his post today? 
42 minutes ago. Yes. And <laughs> I just want to say congratulations to you, Pace Case, because this is a goal yes. that we have had for a very long time, that the language we are creating on this show to describe our beloved game would eventually get sucked up into the game itself, that players would begin to use our language. And Huju, which stands for hug jump, is one of the primary words in our lexicon. It's one we talk about all the time. <laughs> I obviously love the Huju. Everyone loves the subsport. But now we've seen Tyler Cameron use merch it. merch about it. <laughs> we've practiced it on friends and family, some of us. One of us. Uh, not me. I have not done this. My apologies. But we're now seeing, you know, Tyler Cameron was the first one, to my knowledge, who used it in a public venue when he went in an interview with E! News. Now, this was at least a year after his playing days were done. Blake Moynes just used it on the night he won the ring. That, in my mind, is an elevation, at least in terms of how legitimized our terms are becoming within the game. And I think it's only a matter of time before we see Huju or some other term actually used in the document, put in the edit. 100%. I mean, to use this space, your main Instagram post during the airing of the finale in which you're the ring winner... And it's also your birthday. Happy birthday, Moines. I mean, you love to see it. I have a congratulations for you, Clues. Mm, I'm ready. We found out this week that we have been nominated for an award. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we have to actually thank everyone who helped us do this, but... We asked everyone a while back to go to podcastawards.com and start registering to vote for us so that we could be nominated in a couple of categories for the People's Choice Podcast Awards. And indeed, the results are in. We are now officially in the best overall podcast category and in the best TV film category. I'm not sure how voting now works now that we have been selected in the, the official nominations, but I think you can go there and vote for us now and hopefully we'll win an award. That's what we're trying to do. This is an award that hopefully chatty broads are in these categories. Vial is in a different oh, category, yeah. but he's he's up there as well. So I do love that the intention of this was to get our name next to the Vial files and we messed up and put it in the wrong category. I take full responsibility. That was my fuck up completely. <laughs> when I went in there, I was just like, oh, we're a TV film po podcast and I put us in that category. But Nick Vial is in society and culture or something and vile files mm. is nominated so had i put us in that category maybe we would be next to him next year there's always next year but shall we begin this let's do it and now pace case and bachelor clues proudly present analysis of play in this week of our beloved game this is game of roses okay Tonight's big game opened as all games this season have opened with this narrator, who we still don't know, saying tonight it's the dramatic three hour season finale, The Bachelorette, and it's like nothing you've ever seen before. That turned out to be true. We get images of the burning demon. <laughs> we get a little bit of a recap of last week. We see Grippo's self-elimination. Katie wants to go home. And tonight, you won't believe what happens next. And we see Katie telling Tasha and Caitlin that Grippo was her number one. 
And then Caitlin and Tasha say, what we're about to tell you will change everything. And Katie is taking a no holds barred uh, position against Grippo when he's on a hot seat. And we see that she's going to ultimately bring up his acting school allegations. This is all just in the fucking promo. My head is spinning. (laughs) The ultimate girl gang greets us. And I noticed something. I'm not sure when this switch happened. But didn't they come into the show and their Chiron said something else? It now reads co-hosts. But before I feel like they were like romantic spirit guides or they called it something else specific when DLH was still in the mix. I don't know either, but this seems right to me. I think you're, you're <laughs> correct. I can't remember what it was, but I think you're right that they weren't officially, at least in text on screen, referred to as hosts of any kind because they were just yeah. interim what at friends of the franchise or whatever yeah liaisons but then they introduce a little clip package uh they say before we find out how everything ends we got to go back and watch how we got here and we get this kind of waste of time clip package most of which is last week's episode the greg grippo incident and we see everything from limo exits to the fimp kisses blah 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 and then eventually we come back into the studio and Caitlin and Tasha are sitting across from Katie on what is essentially the first hot seat. And they begin to talk about Grippo. They begin to talk about what she was feeling in that moment. She says she was defeated, just recovering from Michael leaving, and then Greg left. And she started to question if she should continue moving forward at all. This is a common moment for all leads now. Is right as they're nearing the end, some catastrophic event will happen. That lets them question whether or not they're going to do this at all, whether or not they can go through with it. Bristow asks, was there any part of you that felt like it was your fault that Grippo left? And Katie says, in that moment, absolutely. I kept replaying, what did I do that was so massive for someone that was, and she does air quotes here, in love with me, to then turn around and want to leave. In that moment, I completely blame myself, trying everything I can to make him stay, literally on my knees, begging this man to stay. And if it's not good enough... I never saw that side of him. I was like, who are you? Do I even know Greg Grippo? I thought when she said that line, do do I even know who Greg Grippo is? I was like, all right, she's setting up what's going to happen later here. She's for us, the audience, Mm. the fourth audience, for all the people in that studio audience. She's saying, this is my position. I didn't know who the fuck that guy was. That wasn't the Greg Grippo that I gave the fimp to. And we know that when he comes out, she's going to maintain this attitude. But here they're beginning it in the very first fucking hot seat conversation. So we're all ready to see Grippo come out, which is not going to happen until later. But they're teasing it in this way, which I thought was a brilliant move. It is a brilliant move. That is what people were most excited for this episode. Once they know he leaves and they assume that Moines is the ring winner. I mean, they try to create some extra drama with uh, Lindsay, etc. But we pretty much know what's going to happen. Katie also produces tears here. Very for TRR. Katie says, you start to question yourself and your self-worth. What it felt like to have back-to-back men that I was falling for leave. She's like, Do I leave to go chase them? Are they worth that kind of energy? I didn't know how to handle whatever my next step was going to be. And they tease that they haven't spoken since that day. Katie says she doesn't know what she's going to say to him. And I'm like, I don't think that is particularly true, (laughs) given what comes later. (laughs) Yeah, she has scripted this shit out to a T. And we're going to find out later. She delivers it perfectly. But 
she knows exactly what she's going to fucking say to Gregor, but she even sets it up here. She's like, yeah, seeing him watching that back and seeing him talk down to me and then walk away twice. That's not a man. I think she knows exactly what the fuck she's going to say. Yeah. She's great at improv. <laughs> and then we cut to commercial and we come back. We're into portion two. And it opens with an image of Katie lying in bed at the Tamaya Resort, and she ITMs tears about being sad and confused. It's hard to want to continue to be there, she says. She's still processing what happened with Grippo and Olio, and she wants the beautiful love story, but she needs someone who will trust and fight for her. We start to see our first ponder shots of the episode. We see Katie. By the way, I love this opening shot of her pondering in the darkness in bed with makeup on. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, this one feels like a real stretch. (laughs) A prone ponder. (laughs) Anytime they do these fucking ponder shots, especially when you get into the um, finale, the playoffs, whatever. The producers are setting all this shit up. They're saying, go sit over there, go look out this window, go do whatever. And in this case, they're telling her to lay in the bed. I'm always reminded of the one they did with PP, where they had him sitting kind of cross-legged on a fucking rock. On just, the rock, yeah. I'll never forget it because it was so insane. He's bigger than the rock. He's like precariously balanced on it. And you can just imagine some producer being like, okay, go sit on that rock. And he's like, that rock? I don't know if I'm going to fit on that rock. Yeah, work it out. Pull your legs up. Sit on that rock. And here we get something like that. We with- need to make our day, Popeye. <laughs> but katie obliges the producer she lays in bed and gives him this ponder shot and then later we see a ponder shot of her with holding a mug looking out a window and she's trying to pick up the pieces even though she's heartbroken and then we cut to an image a flock of geese in the sky and these geese were not my creature of the week (laughs) i pulled the moines there yeah moine style uh Moines and Justin have a guy chat, and Moines is like, I saw Grippo briefly. He didn't want to talk about anything. It seemed like something was off. And Justin, <laughs> ITM, I laughed at so hard. He says, I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> this, this conversation was fucking amazing to me. Moines is basically telling Justin here that, like, Grippo was off his game. He was in his head, he says. And obviously, we know what happened. Moines just, like, let him do whatever he was going to do, the self-implosion. But both of them are trying to figure out what the fuck is going on. And after Justin has that ITM of, like, what? I'm confused. You realize the producers haven't told these motherfuckers anything. And that's the way they like it. They want them to get all fucking riled up. They want them to have a hard time processing any of this shit so that whatever happens next is also going to produce tears and maybe a nervous breakdown. But then Kayla and Natasha come in and they tell the guys Greg has left. And Justin then issues a terrible attempt at sincerely being surprised. And he just goes, what? That's how he delivers the line. Greg Grippo left. The third guy, the guy that was her number one left, he goes, what? It is in no way believable. He is not surprised by this at all, nor is he in any way emotionally distressed by it. We don't even get face play off this reaction. That's how you know it's fake. Not even a fucking eyebrow raise. (laughs) Uh, Taisha says that both of them have moved on and will get quality time with Katie. QT with Katie. 
QT with KT. And we don't know here what that even means. What is quality time? They haven't said anything about fantasy suites. They haven't said what this quality time is going to entail. We are, at this point, as the fourth audience, just as confused as Justin. I still have no fucking idea what's going on here. I don't know, in terms of like the structure of the game at this moment, I don't know what the producers are doing. It's like they were like, not enough time has passed by to call it fantasy suites, so let's just call it quality time. Boyne's ITMs, he's glad she decided to stay. This is the week that's going to solidify whether or not she's going to be my fiancé. And both of them say that their minds are all over the place. Moines grabs his face and walks off. Justin says his mind is in overload. And then something happens here. We cut back to the After the Final Rose studio, and the Ultimate Girl Gang introduced Bachelor in Paradise, but there wasn't ever a Bachelor in Paradise reel after that. I have the exact same note. I was Until like, the end. exactly. When they said that, I was like, oh shit, we're about to get some paradise. And then it's like, no, you'll get that in three hours. What? Yeah. What, what the hell? <laughs> was, that was the my cr- girls. That was cruelty at a level we have not yet seen uh, from this TV show because I was sincerely looking forward to that. And we're going to get to that paradise trailer at the end. It. Oh fuck. It was so it good. Was a highlight. They got to, they got to pay the, the trailer people more for these trailers they've been doing this season they've been very good yeah truly uh portion three then begins with Tasha saying will katie be able to open herself up to finding love again will the fantasy suite dates change everything or will it make it worse and this is the first time we learn there are actually going to be fantasy suite dates or at least one and again why was this not teased There was no promo for Fantasy Suites ever in the course of any of this. There was nothing on the Instagram. There were no videos of it. There was no mention of it. It's because they wanted that cliffhanger of like, is she going to book her flight home? Because that's been like the fence jump of this season. Right. And I guess because there was only one Fantasy Suite, there was like, how would they even promote it? There would be no way to show multiple fantasy suites or footage yeah. from them, you know? Yeah, that's true. By the way, every time they show the studio, I keep looking for myself in the audience now. I'm like, I feel like there's a chance now that I could never leave the document. <laughs> <laughs> Just, Just feel like your footage will live on forever. An old audience shot in uh, the Mentel All this season. Tasha and Caitlin now introduced that there's going to be more finale right now, and we see a hawk screeching through the sky. It was not my creature of the week. We get a shot of Katie pondering in front of a ladder. She ITMs that she is taking everything one step at a time, and the last thing she wants is to head into the fantasy suites feeling uncertain. She's going to follow her intuition and her heart and see what happens, and then we see a horse. Running around a stable, this horse was not my creature of the week. Then we get the day portion of our first fantasy suite. This is, of course, Blake Moines. They meet on a path in the desert. Blake starts jogging to her. Once he gets within range, Katie gives into a light jog of her own. And she launches into a hooju. Now, unfortunately, (laughs) the footage is incomplete. We go to a close-up 
So we don't actually get to see her mount. We see a little bit of her approach as she jogs with a big smile. We don't see the mount at all. And we barely get any cling footage because it's, again, shot in close-up. You really only see Blake Moyne's head and her kind of shoulders and head as she's raining down kisses on him. And from what we can see, this does look like a very solid hooju, as we've come to expect from Katie Thurston all season long at this point. She's got a high cling. There's multiple kisses. And Moynes is offering a full double-hand buttock support, which... We know he's done before. See, we do get cling footage. <laughs> we get a little, but it's... Ass it's, cling. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Moines is clinging. But Katie seems, at least in this moment, to have put aside any ill feelings left over from the Grippo incident. And uh, we get into this day portion of the date where they are dressed all in white, throwing balloons with paint water at each other. This is literally a date Katie Thurston herself did in group form on Matt James' season where she and I believe it was 12 other players ran through the woods throwing balloons filled with paint on each other. It's literally a date she was already on. (laughs) I thought that what they're doing was paintballing. Have you ever seen the movie 10 Things I Hate About You? Oh my God, yes, a long time ago. They do this exact thing and they like make out and there's like hail bays maybe around Mm. them. And I thought this was what paintballing was. And then I went paintballing and I was like, oh, it's still fun, but it's definitely less sexy than (laughs) this activity. (laughs) (laughs) At least it is on a one-on-one date. The group date was, uh, looked a little violent. And a nearby horse chutters at this amazing chemistry play as Moines and Thurston make out prone covered in paint but it was not my creature of the week wasn't mine either then we cut to a hot tub moins and thirst and sip sweet champagne and katie says recognize this area and i didn't give out an error this week but if i would have it was this Moines here has the perfect opportunity to say, well, this hot tub is the exact model used on Matt James' one-on-one with Bree Springs in season 25 and JoJo Fletcher's one-on-one with Luke Pell in Bachelorette season 12. It's literally the same thing, but instead he says, yeah, it's where we came down from the horses, where it all started. He had an opportunity here to reveal that the producers are just recycling the exact same shit again and again and again and again. Missed opportunity, in my opinion. Not quite an error. Not as big as him not making another clay penis. Exactly. Because that didn't even require recognition. I mean, he did that. He already made a clay penis. He could have just done it again. Um, After they reminisce about their first date two feet away from them, Katie says, I have to tell you everything. All you self-eliminated after a knock-knock. Again, I get a knock on the door. It's Grippo. He decided to not be here anymore as well. That one was shocking for me. And she says, Grippo is someone I saw here being this week with overnights and maybe even as far as the meeting of the family and the finale. And she says, part of me wanted to quit. Oh, and Justin is here as well. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking Justin. God damn it. I feel so bad for that dude. I've just never seen treatment of a finalist before like this ever but we'll get to him in a second but she tells moines she wants to continue to go through this moines's response that's a lot 
And then he uses his chemistry game to cover for not knowing what to say at that point. And they make out. I thought that was a beautiful fucking play by Moines here. She's essentially saying, I was going to pick the other fucking guy. When he left, I thought about leaving the entire show. What can you say to that? Yeah. Almost nothing. So Moines is just like, wow, that's a lot. Now let's make out. He's right back to his fucking chemistry game. Unflappable. There is nothing that will put this man off his fucking game. Expert level play here. And obviously it, it worked out in the end. Well, he has a different attitude in his ITMs. He says, naturally, it leaves me like, okay, I probably underestimated the amount she cared or thought about him. That confidence game. First time I was completely off as to where her head is at. I love Katie. I love her a lot. If she's hung up on Grippo, I can't match that. There's no point if she's having doubts as to an engagement. So he's loading love level four here, but he's also loading these Grippo walls and saying like, he just needs to make sure those Grippo walls aren't there and then he can precog. That's why the fucking kiss was such a good play. When he ITMs the truth of it, you know what's going through his head now. His his head was like, what the fuck is going on here? How important was that guy to her? Am I completely fucked? None of that comes out. All you get in that moment from him is, oh, that's a lot. Let's make out. Fucking perfect. God damn. A good one to keep in the back pocket. That's a lot. Make out. <laughs> You know, I've I've always liked Moines. Even when we were just going through Instagrams before Claire Crawley's season and Tasha mm-hmm. Adams' season, I predicted he would be the Bachelor. Now, obviously that I won't say obviously that's not going to happen. I almost said that's not going to happen, but who knows what the future holds? Probably but, not. Probably not. I agree. It seems unlikely at this point. They do seem like they're happy together, and as we know from these bubble seasons, these relationships last. But what he is doing here in my opinion, is proof that whatever I saw on that Instagram was accurate. He's got innate abilities, <laughs> skills in our game to be a very high-level player and to get rewarded for that play. And here he just proved it, in my opinion. Knowing that his head is fucking anywhere but in that kiss in that moment and he still has the wherewithal to be like, I can't say what I really feel here. I need to just go in for the kiss, show her support, show her that the chemistry game is not waning, even despite what she just said about Grippo. Fucking perfectly done. I was very impressed with this hot tub play. To me, I feel like it's also just a testament to how well he times things. He does have walls that are related to this, but he knows he's not going to play them until right before he love level four so that he will put these walls up and instantly break them down so that she's not left the whole day thinking something is wrong exactly because she's in a fragile state to some degree she's just laid all this shit out i thought about leaving literally 24 fucking hours ago Mm -hmm. or whatever it is within a couple of days so he knows if he pushes even a little bit that might be the end of it she might pack it up and fucking get that flight home Mm -hmm. and it's all done and he just ah, this was just beautiful to me watching him do this it was so subtle so well fucking done Maybe it saved the whole season, honestly, this one moment. I didn't give it my play Mm -hmm. of the game, but it's like, without that moment in the hot tub, without his correct reaction to what she tells him, this whole thing could have gone up in flames, much like Mm -hmm. the demon in the desert. That conversation was a lot more important than it might come off. Yeah. Portion number four begins, and we see an owl silhouetted in the darkness, but it's not my creature of the week. Moines and Katie begin their night portion of fantasy suites. They walk 
Moines ITMs he's going to love level four tonight, but he's nervous she won't reciprocate. Katie thought about quitting, and the more I think about that moment, the more it makes me a little nervous to say it because I don't know where her head is at. So now we're following this story. Is he going to love level four? Is he going to end up proposing? So they come in for, in quotes, dinner. And Blake (laughs) begins this conversation. He says, I would never tell you that I was falling in love with you and then get up and leave. So he immediately insults Grippo. He immediately supports what Katie was saying and tells her basically like, I'm not like that motherfucker. If I'm going to say I love you, I'm in it for the long haul. He says, I don't play games with love. And there's reasons I hold on to that word. There's only a handful of people that I share that word with, my mom and my dad now, but it wasn't always my dad. And he says he feels that he shows Katie through actions and other ways because that's easier for him to do than to put the word out there. He brings up his precog with his parents. And he says love doesn't come because everything seems perfect. And his hometown was when it all started to come together for him. Seeing her with his family was another big moment for him and seeing it being real. And that's when he, in quotes, felt a lot of love from her. The soft neck kiss he brings up, the way they look at each other, all those little feelings that make it feel real. But it was the one part of the night that just solidified things for him. When she scored a point in hockey and yelled, go America. Caitlin even brings this up later that it's very Canadian to fall in love while playing hockey. (laughs) 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 But this is, he he tells her, this is when I realized that I loved you. And it's scary to say, because I promised myself I wouldn't say it to anybody unless I was sure I love you. And I'm fucking really excited about life with you. This LL4 was my... Play, 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 play of the game. This is perfection. This is fucking textbook. This is when you do the love level four, right before Fantasy Suites. Moines does it absolutely perfectly. And he doesn't yet know that this is going to completely lock the game for him, but I believe it does. And we, we see what happens in the fantasy suite and we will hear about to some degree what actually happened in the fantasy suite <laughs> later, but I don't think that had anything to do with it. I think this LL4, this moment when he raises the love level is what cinched it because she says it back. She says that she hasn't said it yet to anybody. It's a huge word. And she says she wants to be stubborn, but she fucking loves him so much and she's glad he's there. LL4. It might have been an LL3 though, because they bleep out fucking. And I thought maybe she might have said she's falling in love with him and they bleeped out falling in. So it sounds like I fucking love you. It could have been I'm falling in love with you. Because later she mentions that she did say when she's talking to Justin, which we'll get to, she mm-hmm. says she told Blake she's falling in love with him. And I just. I thought that was her just trying to soften it. Oh, maybe, maybe. Notch it down a level. Could have been. Katie says she hasn't said it to anybody. She wanted to wait for that special person. It's a huge word. She wants to be stubborn. It's scary and it's crazy, but I fucking love you so much and I couldn't be happier you're here. And this love level four was my... 
play, 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 play of the game. Katie is taking the game back into her own hands here. She has said that she won't love level four more than one man. So she is ending the show with this action. She gets to have that final rose chemistry play that night. Basically, she's like, this is my journey. I'm living it out to the fullest. I'm going into the fantasy suite, love having a reciprocated love level four. She's also paralleling Moines's curse word fuck in her love level four, a mirror love level four blue collar joke. <laughs> I fucking loved this play. I did too. To my knowledge, this has never happened before. A lead essentially tells a player during fantasy suites, you've won the game. Have we ever seen that? What do you mean? Colton Underwood. Oh, fuck. But then didn't he have to do another fantasy suite? He had done a fantasy suite with right, Tasha. And then he then tells he Cassie, you've Cassie won. And ended the game. Right. So Colton did it as Hannah well. And then Hannah Godwin didn't get one. Right. Yeah. Nonetheless, absolutely fucking fascinating. It's super rare. Only Colton, I think, has done it. Right? Because Claire Crawley didn't do that. It was a whole different thing. She was like, game's over even way before Fantasy Suites, but now you get a makeshift Fantasy Suite and all that shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I believe Underwood is the only season where it's happened in playoffs and that they have played out the rest of the season after that point. Right. With one person. Um, But yeah, I just... She was at such a low point, and for her to like come and get this victorious moment, I thought was fantastic. I don't know if it was approved or not by producers, but it's not like they could take it back at that point. So, yeah. POTG. And then we get a little bit of kiss, and she peels out the date card from under a plate of chicken. She hands it to Moines. Moines reads the sacred words and holds aloft the Harry Potter key, and he jokes about keeping their individual rooms. Then they go into the fantasy suite together. They feed each other luscious cakes, and she ITMs that Blake completes her. We see some more kissing, and they enter the bedchamber. He lays her down on the bed, and they kiss prone, and then Blake ITMs that he feels like he's walking away with his fiancée. And we see the... Now, famous shot that they do almost every time in Fantasy Suites where it's outside the building and you see the window and the lights on inside and then the light goes out. This is to convey that they have consummated this relationship. That's what the producers are telling us here. And then we cut back out By to the, the way, something that I loved in this moment that Moines does when he gets the Fantasy Suite card is she reads them to him and then he's like, yeah, individual rooms. And she's like, what? Love that little humor in there. Moines style. Moines is known for his humor, if nothing else. And then we cut back out to the live audience and Kayla and Atasha read to us from the teleprompter, wondering about what Justin's fate may be. And then portion five begins. The sun is rising over the Tamaya Resort in New Mexico. It is morning. Birds can be seen. Then we get shots of shoes on the ground and a bra on the floor when you get the clothing on the floor (laughs) shots that means the relationship was consummated and then we see blake and katie in bed they are kissing they are ll4ing each other again i don't know if there has ever been a more implied consummation the two birds in the tree 
We start seeing the clothes on the floor. We hear kissing noises and enter on them as they're making out as if they had literally just banged and they look naked. Yeah, this one was, um, I agree with you. There was not much room to question what had happened here the prior (laughs) night. It seemed very obvious. But then Blake gets up and he brings some breakfast in bed, complete, of course, with maple syrup. We see some more kissing and Katie ITMs that Blake is who she wants. And then she tells him she's the happiest she's been in a long time. We get some more kissing. They're LL4ing each other all over the place in this. And then we cut to Caitlin and Katie on a couch. Katie tells Bristow, her hero player, I was plenty satisfied many times. Bristow, oh my goodness, I'm friggin' happy for you. I love how they choose which host is going to be with who for what conversation. It's Mm -hmm. very interesting. Whenever I'm seeing shit like this, I'm always thinking to myself, like, what if Dark Lord had not blown himself up. What if he was hosting this? And it's like a moment like this, you just would never fucking get. And this was one of the most sincere moments in the whole fucking season, I thought, when it was just like, it's two friends talking about the fucking good sex she had the night before. And they're, you know, Caitlin's like fucking happy for her. It just, it couldn't happen. And that paints, at least for me, it paints The Bachelorette in a whole different fucking tone. It makes her seem mm-hmm. more real. It's like that does kind of like step back out of the uh, the grandeur, the circumstance, the ceremony of the game. And it makes it feel like that is a real relationship in a way that it just yeah. can't happen with um, the Dark Lord. You're seeing a conversation that would have happened during a real relationship of a friend telling another friend like, I'm so excited about this new relationship. And she tells Bristow it was the best day of her life. And Caitlin is like, stop. It's very cute. I agree. And like the closest thing we can come to it with Dark Lord is when Hannah Brown on After the Final Rose or the Mentel, whatever it was, said she had sex with Pilot Pete four times in a windmill. So to have that type of a conversation, it has to happen. And you remember how he responded? Who, Dark Lord? He was, res- yeah. No. He well, he responded to Popeye's parents and he was like, oh, the dad like takes a bow or something like you must be a proud dad. It was something like that. Such a different vibe. <laughs> totally. For her to even be able to make the admission or even talk about that it has to be live in front of a studio audience with the parents present and all this shit. It's like I know there's camera people and like 12 producers standing around Katie and uh, Caitlin, while they're having this conversation, but nonetheless, what they're presenting me feels much more real than mm-hmm. any other version of this conversation we've ever seen. And Caitlin frames this as, I told you everything is going to make sense. Everything that happened with Grippo was to reassure you on Moines, basically. And Katie says, saying I love you was a huge deal. I was saving it for the one. And I feel that with Blake. My heart belongs to Blake. Brista says, Justin's still here. And we see Justin <laughs> getting ready. <laughs> when she's fucking cut. <laughs> <laughs> Caitlin said that. Obviously, Justin's still here. I had to fucking turn off my TV and laugh for like 10 minutes straight. It was in- fucking oh, incredible. I just, what they've done to Justin this season is just fucking deplorable, in my opinion. They just disappeared, this fucking guy. And even in this moment, it's like, it's just so fucking sad. It does like feel like they're keeping Justin away from her, like that they haven't let her have this breakup conversation yet and they 
cut to this ITM. Dustin is getting ready. He says, I'm excited. It may just lead to the fantasy suite card. And he says, Katie's focus is more narrow. So selfishly, I'm happy about it. So you were reacting to, I guess, a correct face. And he says, we can truly start to look at what our future is like. Spend that true quality time. That's what I've been waiting for this whole time. And the, these fucking producers, the shot that they get of him, which we've seen them use this shot on him before, the getting ready in the mirror shot. So these motherfuckers know what's happening. They know Katie Thurston has already selected the Moinsman, and they tell Justin Glaze, go get ready for your date. We need to take some footage of you. They have this motherfucker primping, getting ready for the shit, knowing it's for nothing, just so they can get that one shot. It's so fucking sinister. I think it's so they can get that shot because they've had too many breakups that are knock-knocks in the hotel. And they're like, we can't do another hotel breakup. Let's get it in a different location. Make him walk out there and be excited for the day. And then you're going to dump him in the dumping gazebo. (laughs) Before we see the dumping gazebo, portion six begins with a hawk sitting in a tree and a butterfly flopping its wings. Not my Creatures of the Week. This butterfly was very close to being my Creature of the Week. I wrote a whole thing about how the butterfly symbolizes metamorphosis, not only for this season, but for the position of Crown and for the franchise as a whole, that these bubble seasons have served as the cocoon from which the game will emerge anew, spread its wings and fly, hopefully, into the beautiful sky above. Oh my God. You've almost convinced me to change my creature. That was beautiful. You should not convince yourself of that. This was not the creature of the week. It was up to that point. But then another creature came later that definitely deserves creature of the week. But this was a close contender. I think we probably have the same creature of the week. But we, time will tell. Uh, Fantasy Suite 2 begins. Justin ITM's loading of a love level 4. I love Katie. And after tonight, I'm hoping to get that reassurance. Just keep driving home that heartbreak edit. And they even have this fucking shot of him. This little segment opens. He's leaning against this tree and it's this giant wide shot. So they fucking propped him up. They've positioned him. Go out there and stand by the tree. Lean against it and look into the fucking distance like you're thinking about Katie. They're making him do all this fucking B-roll shit just so they can have an extra, what, 45 seconds of fucking shots of him before this dump occurs. It fucking drives me crazy. When I start thinking about what is actually going into the production of this, knowing that this guy is mm-hmm. just going to get fucking eliminated, this is all for nothing. And I know Seleucian Protocol, you know what you signed up for, and like <laughs> doing a few extra shots is the least of your fucking worries when these Machiavellian producers are trying to orchestrate bad shit for you. But it's just, I don't know, it gets harder and harder for me to watch every season, this type of shit. Justin runs to Katie. Something hard for him is that they hug with no hooju. So you know she hates him. It's so bad. (laughs) It's so fucking bad. And then she says, can we talk? And she takes him over the dumping gazebo and they sit on the unforgiving wooden steps of this structure. And she starts going through the process here. She tells him that she thought about quitting after Grippo left, but she owed it to everybody to stick it out. And she says she knows how hard it is for him to have love, love afford her. And she was looking forward to today, but she had her overnight with Blake. And she tells Justin that she LL3'd Blake. We believe she ll afford. We just had that conversation. You think that she notched it down mm-hmm. to take the edge off. She tells Justin that this is something 
she can only say to one person, and she wanted to explore things with him, but given how she feels about Blake, it wouldn't make sense to move forward on this date or have him meet her family. Justin reacts pretty well to this. He says, after my hometown, we had that talk where he love level three'd her. I want it to be 100%. I do see what opening up can do, but I also feel the other side of what that can do, and it's not a fun place to be in. And Katie says, remember how far we got because of you being open. That's the biggest thing I want you to know. When you open up, you offer so much. I'm thankful for our moments. Every morning, waking up to that painting. Is this the Rose Heart <laughs> painting? Which painting is this? I don't fucking know. But like, even that is like, they've never showed this fucking painting. Or, or if it was the painting no. that he did on the, the group date, the art that group hangs date. hangs above her bed. It's like, we've never fucking seen that. And even this, just this one little thing, like, couldn't they have, knowing that they were going to cut that into the show, couldn't they have cut in one shot of her looking at the fucking painting before she went out to talk to yeah. him to make any of this make sense? They're like, fuck, we threw out all those paintings already. <laughs> yeah. She's going to bring that back. <laughs> this is just fucking totally scripted. They're like, go out there and talk about the painting. She's like, I don't have the painting. You guys threw it away. You're going to talk about the painting. <laughs> um, Justin praises Katie. I think the world of you maintains these four TRR. Everything I've said to you is 100% true. Hope you know how special you are and what you bring to the table. I hope he knows what he has in you and that he doesn't take you for granted. Katie, that means more to me than you'll probably ever know, truthfully. I thought that was a beautiful moment. Mm-hmm. Seemed very four TRR. And this is more screen time than Justin has had literally all season. We get none of his relationship building, none of the fucking moments that he spent with Katie, but we get all of his emotional trauma this moment for me is like Mm -hmm. really what the show is about they don't give a fuck about showing you who this guy is or what kind of relationship he had with her all they care about is him getting dumped they give us that almost in full Mm -hmm. they give us a whole lead up to it and there's apparently a painting that she looks at every morning that's facing her we don't see that in the ponder shots um Justin pulls tears in his limo exit. Says we spent a month together. This morning I was picturing how great today was going to be, what our life could be. Obviously you want to end up with Katie. Don't want it to end. It's hard. It hurts. Man, I gave this everything. I love when we get a little like man or dude in there so we know the gender of the producer asking questions. I've noticed noticed this on a lot of reality TV I've been watching. You think that's indicative of it? Sometimes, yeah. Interesting. I didn't take it that way. Like talking to someone. I took it as just kind of a general, like, man, you know, just like he's flustered, he's pissed off, and it's Possibly. just something that he he says. But I think you might be right. That's kind of interesting. It hurts, man. I get. I don't know. As we know, I am losing it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but it's an over analysis of the show. <laughs> it was a pretty good exit speech, I thought, you know. Stayed kind of like straight down the middle with it. And we say goodbye to really one of the best finishing floaters, I guess, of all time. Like second place for a floater? Have we ever seen that? I don't think so. Well, whatever the case, as Justin speeds away in his black SUV, Katie says that she feels so close to finding everything but there's still a part of her that's scared and she ponders on the steps of the dump gazebo 
and drums up what I perceive to be false drama about being nervous or still scared in this process. At this point, I'm so certain that Blake Moynes is going to propose to her and they're going to live happily ever after that any of the drama they're now going to try to drum up about him, maybe not wanting to propose or all this kind of shit is just Mm -hmm. like, you're just wasting time now. You're you're adding filler to this episode. I mean, he precogged like when he came in, said he would propose at the end of this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. His limo exit was a precog. <laughs> uh, the average human being has 100,000 hairs huh. atop their head. And now you can take care of each and every one of them with pros, the world's most personalized hair care. With pros, you're going to take this quiz in order to get your custom hair care that's bottled just for you. They'll give you your consultation results. There's different things involved in this, your environmental factors, how much UV you're getting, how much water and humidity, how much damage your own hair has. For instance, I highlight my hair, so there's bleach, so my damage is 100%, not to brag. But then- (laughs) You have full damage. (laughs) Yeah, I shouldn't even have hair at this point. But uh, then you get your own personalized products. You know, I always talk about the leave-in conditioner, but I also got a shampoo, and it's also a unique formula. It's a gentle, sulfate-free cleanser that rebalances my oily roots. I'm very oily and keeps your hair fresh for longer. Using this combination, my fragrance is Oasis, has made my hair Mm -hmm. so much softer. It smells nice. I feel like a fancy lady with this type of hair care. And there's also a new review and refine feature where you can tweak your formulas for any reason. Maybe you change your address, you change your hair color or your diet, and then you can get new products that are specifically tailored to your current life. And as a carbon neutral certified B Corp, Pros is an industry leader in clean and responsible beauty. All their ingredients are sustainably sourced, ethically gathered, and cruelty-free. There's also the first custom beauty brand to go carbon neutral. If you're not 100% positive, Pros is the best hair care you've had. They will take the products back without asking you even a single question. Pros is the healthy hair regimen with your name all over it. Take your free in-depth hair consultation and get 15% off your first order today. Go to pros.com slash roses. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash roses for your free in-depth hair consultation and 15% off. Pace case, I've been doing something recently. I've been eating food. Ooh, Have you been doing that? Yes. Same Z's. 
We all have to. We are animals. We need sustenance. Our cells need to repair themselves. And to do that, they need raw material. And we get that in the form of food. And now (laughs) you can get better raw material to repair your body while you sleep than you've ever had before with HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get pre-measured ingredients and mouth-watering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door. You can skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. And that's why it's America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh cuts out stressful meal planning and grocery store trips so you can enjoy cooking and get dinner on the table in just about 30 minutes or less. You can try HelloFresh's quick and easy meals 15 to 20 minute dinners, breakfast on the go, and more easy options perfect for your busy lifestyle. There's something for everyone to enjoy with all recipes designed and tested by professional chefs and nutritional experts to ensure deliciousness and simplicity. You can get better value. HelloFresh is 28% cheaper than shopping at your local grocery store and 72% cheaper than a restaurant meal without sacrificing the quality. Clues. I was staying at a friend's house this weekend and at that house there was a grill and i made the HelloFresh backyard grill bourbon steak plus tomato and grilled zucchini panzanella there's nothing quite like grilled steak to get us all in the summer mood and this one's extra extra special with a brown sugar bourbon seasoning grilling isn't just for your protein it leaves a smoky flavor on everything that hits the grates and adds even more flavor to the zucchini and the ciabatta, which is tossed with fresh tomato, mozzarella, and balsamic for a seasonal panzanella salad. You just add a little dollop of chive butter to your steak, head out to your backyard or your porch or whatever, or picture yourself there from the comfort of your cranked AC, and you've got yourself one dreamy summer barbecue. This was not a hard meal to make, and it was absolutely delicious. And Green Chef is now owned by HelloFresh, and with a wider array of meal plans to choose from, there is something for everyone. I love switching between the brands, and now Game of Roses listeners can enjoy both brands at a discount with Gore. Simply go to HelloFresh.com slash GameofRoses14 and use code GameofRoses14 for up to 14 free meals plus free shipping. That's HelloFresh.com slash Game of Roses 1414 and use code Game of Roses 14 for up to 14 free meals plus free shipping. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. We then get back at the After the Final Rose studio a heartbreak hot seat for Justin. Tasha says, I can only imagine what you're feeling right now. Justin says it hurts just as much now. I was blindsided. It's hard to get to a place where you can open up and be vulnerable. Seriously considering proposing. Have a lot of love. Your heart just gets stepped on. Tasha says, Katie said you did nothing wrong. Justin says, no one wants to feel like they weren't good enough. I always respected her judgment. Always said, follow your heart. So I can't tell her that and then be upset when it's not me. But it doesn't make it easier. I was like, that. those are some solid heartbreak hot seat lines. I agree. So fucking solid. The only problem is... No one gives a shit about this because we've seen none of his relationship being built. We don't know who the fuck this guy is. He was not present in the entire fucking season. So now he's got a hot seat. 
and the hosts are fucking talking to him about all this stuff and you're we're all just like who cares give me blake give me grippo like no one gives a shit about this you know something that's interesting is that usually every heartbreak hot seat comes with a reel of the heartbreak and we had just seen it so i understand them not including it but they often include things that we have just seen you know they didn't give him a reel of like here was your limo exit they give him nothing because it wasn't in the fucking show if they made a reel of his shit it would be all new footage that we have not yet seen because they cut (laughs) it out of the original episodes it's like a, a time lapse of the painting in Katie's room. <laughs> <laughs> or, fucking worse yet, it makes us go like, oh, fuck, they really did have a connection. And then we yeah. actually feel sad for how the show has turned yeah. out. It contradicts the uh, the outcome. Portion 7 begins with Tasha saying, we just watched your heart-wrenching breakup with Katie. Any part of you that wonders if you would have been there if Grippo had not left? He goes, yeah, I tried my best not to think about other connections, but I couldn't help if I was there kind of by default because those guys left. It would have been hu- a huge step to step into the rose ceremony and have her choose me. So Tasha and Caitlin being like, ah, you guys both made it through to the next round. Didn't uh, give him that feedback. Tasha says, we all want to feel chosen. Do you feel like Katie gave you a fair shot? And this motherfucker says, nah, I don't think she did. And this, for me, this was a very interesting moment because the producers also did not give him a fair shot. And he mentioned something in here. He has like a little phrase. I forget exactly what it was, but it kind of alludes to this idea of watching his season back that there were things in it. And he gets into this with Katie a little bit that weren't in the show. And so this, what Mm -hmm. must the effect of somebody like Justin watching back his season after the edit they gave him, what must that do to him? Because he knows what was happening in their relationship. He obviously was there, but in seeing it back, he's now being presented with an alternate version of how things actually happened that essentially eliminates him from the show. Does he have animosity toward the producers because of that? Does it somehow sink into his own mind? Does he start to see it in the way they're presenting it, even though that's not true? Uh, yeah, it sounds like he's starting to question it through this conversation. We get a heartbreak reunion hot seat with Katie and Justin. And Justin produces tears and says, I do have some questions. Seeing th- how things unfolded with Alio and Grippo leaving, I felt like maybe I was just there by default. I didn't have the opportunity to see where our relationship could have gone. Okay, he says, completely fair question. It wasn't until the date with Blake that I felt in my heart, this is my person. I do hope you know, based on everything we went through, you were there for reasons. So many unseen moments that we shared. And Justin says, I know a lot didn't get shown between us. Your ability to get me to open up, being with you, you made it easy. I never experienced that before. It made me a better person. I want to thank you for that. My parents have seen a clear difference in who I am. I thought that was an interesting, like, post-mortem glow by the parents totally. of New Justin. <laughs> this producer call-out thing was very interesting to me because mm-hmm. it's just, it's a light call-out. They're tickling that a little bit, but they're not really getting into the fucking meat of it, which is the producers fucking disappeared Justin. And I don't know how much you can say 
a, a live thing like this and after the final rows are meant to all because they do edit this before it airs and if you do go too far in that direction be like the producers totally fucked me i've only got fifty thousand instagram followers and i was a goddamn finalist you obviously can't say that shit but like even them slipping this in i feel like is a weird mm-hmm. slight to the producers that you don't normally see you think they're like oh this has been called out enough that we need to hint at it i'm not sure why they kept it in there necessarily but this idea that what you're seeing on the show is the result of producers editing things to be however they want, to create whatever stories they want and prop people up as villains or heroes or fools or whatever the case may be. The idea that that is now openly discussed, at least here in a kind of minimal way, by the lead and the number two player of the season, and they allowed it to be an after the final rose, it was an interesting moment to me. Because usually I think the producers like to have complete control over how everything is perceived. And here, they're letting both of these people basically say, like, we had a real relationship and the producers just didn't ever show it. They railroaded him so they could build Blake Moynes up and they could build Grippo into a huge villain. And we know this is what they do. Look at season Mm -hmm. 25. Who gets the most screen time are the... The white players. What's that? The white players got a disproportionate amount of screen time. Absolutely. And I think that's an element of it as well. But they try to build up the villains to get a lot of screen time so that they can explode in whatever way they're going to explode. And obviously they build up the ring mm-hmm. winners to get screen time as well because that's the, the final story they have to tell is a love story. And I think Justin just, maybe there was some racial element involved in this, but I think also he was just not, he wasn't going to be the villain, and he wasn't going to be the ring winner. So they just eliminated him from all of it. But after this moment, <laughs> Taisha then says, I'm happy yeah. you guys got closure. And now let's see a face play reel, which I fucking loved. Face play is one of my favorite things in our beloved game. It is probably my uh-huh. second favorite subsport just under the hooju we've seen some great face players throughout the history of the game and in my opinion justin glaze is up there with the fucking best of them and this reel was fantastic and then when they cut out to him to have some kind of a comment on it he basically says i thought this was pretty interesting he's like i knew that i do weird things with my face or whatever but this is the first time i've really seen it and he's kind of tongue-tied he doesn't even really know how to react to it and you get a very genuine moment here of a guy who is like watching himself do something super fucking funny for the first time in the same context that we all got to see it as well. I fucking yeah. loved that. I love he says to Katie, are you in on this? And she's like, no. <laughs> and then <laughs> they introduce that they're going to do a Grippo hot seat coming up. And Justin says to be a fly on the wall for that one. I liked that too. Yeah. We cut back to... The finale. There are two geese, not my creature. And we get Blake Moyne's meeting of the family. He walks holding a red box and flowers. ITM sees the only guy here, and he has a lot of pressure on being perfect. He tells Katie he hasn't had this butterfly feeling in a long time, but he's putting, because it's just me, I'm putting expectations on myself to show why. Katie's like, we're just like a casual family, open and honest. Nothing really shocks us. Let's go. We're going to meet mom, Rhonda Lee, and Aunt Lindsay today. Fuck. Oh, God. This whole fucking shit. Like, 
there was so much that was interesting about this. A, it's only one meeting of the family, which is like pretty fucking rare. Usually you get two. Usually there's a direct comparison. Usually you get a debrief with the family and the lead after they've met them both to say who they like the most. And usually that's, we like them both the most. You got to make the decision. In some rare cases, season 24, Sweet Nums, Popeye, there is a real hardcore opinion registered on who is the best. But here, mm-hmm. here we know that's not going to happen. So what Blake Moynes is saying is actually true. He's got to get their approval. That's the only thing going here. He's not trying to beat anybody out. He's just trying to get the glow and trying to get a blessing if he's going to go for it. Katie loves familial walls. She says that mom Rhonda Lee and Aunt Lindsay have seen her in love before and hopeful and she hopes they aren't skeptical Aunt Lindsay she's not affectionate at all almost cold she's a tough (laughs) cookie (laughs) I mean the the fucking description of Aunt Lindsay could not have been more fucking perfect cold not affectionate at all a tough fucking cookie and indeed, we get all of these things. She was my favorite family member in a long fucking time. Definitely. But they all sit down and we begin the group conversation where Katie's mom and aunt both start asking Blake where he lives, what he does for work, and is him traveling to Africa really going to work in this relationship? And we get the sense immediately that Lindsay indeed is a tough cookie, just as Katie said. And then... Lindsay ITMs that they don't understand the logistics of this whole relationship thing. And Lindsay takes Blake away for some one-on-one time and just goes straight for the fucking throat. What made you want to sign up for this season after you flunked out of the last one? Two bachelorettes and neither of them wanted you. And Blake is just kind of like, fuck. He's like laughing it off the best he can, but he's saying he wants her approval. And then she goes, how cute. You mean nothing. She tells Blake Moynes he means you nothing. ultimately mean nothing. <laughs> cute. Oh, yeah, cute. You ultimately mean nothing. I hate to break it to you. You better be secure as shit coming into our family. I feel like Aunt Lindsay is in the pit. I feel like oh she heard God. our parental walls, good cop, bad cop strategy, and just took it to the millionth level. It was like, nice to meet you. You don't matter. At the end of the day, you're here because we want you here, not because we need you here. It's like, holy shit. I'm literally just saying like, what's up? Pleasure to meet you. She was so fucking good. I could watch a whole fucking show of her. She should be the host of Bachelor from now on, in my opinion. I really wish we had seen her grill Greg Grippo as well. Oh my God. We missed out on that. In some alternate universe, it's happening right now. (laughs) uh Rhonda gets some one-on-one time with katie meanwhile and asks, do you think you feel like there's enough time nothing has to be super speedy and katie says we're not about to get married and have kids we're both in independent and want to be together mom again hitting this family line we don't put ourselves in a position where we have to rely on a male if we invite you in you are so lucky that's a hardcore fucking family right there if we invite you in, you are so lucky. I don't know what they do in that family. I don't know like what kind of fun stuff they do, what their barbecues are like. I have no idea, but it sounds yeah, pretty good. Yeah, they have a really good spread. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> At all of their events. It's the top-notch spread. Uh, 
<laughs> yeah, Lindsay, marriage is a lot and it's not all it's cracked up to be. Moines is like, I've lived through it. I lived through watching my parents fuck it up. And Aunt Lindsay's like, that doesn't count. <laughs> what if it gets hard? Moines, Katie, I have this thing. We promise ourselves we'll do anything to make it right. Keep it. Aunt Lindsay, yeah, that's not how this works. I mean, cute. But ultimately, that's not how anything works. <laughs> she says at a point in this, <laughs> watching a train wreck is not the same as actually being in that train wreck. The train wreck she's talking about is fucking marriage. That's the metaphor she's using for the thing that Katie and Blake Moyes are about to embark upon. She's calling it a train wreck. Oh, God damn it. And then Aunt Lindsay has a little bit of one-on-one time with Katie, and she asks Katie, so what makes you want the beard? <laughs> she fucking reduces Moyes to his facial hair. Fantastically strong move here. And then she grills Katie about... Uh, how hard it's going to be to be away from each other for long periods of time. And Katie says, they'll make it work. They'll figure it out. And Lindsay says, Katie is willing to travel more than Moines is. And if that doesn't work, good luck. It, she actually does an impression here. She says, if you have to go to Canada or Africa, implied for this mail, you will. That sounds like a lot of, yes, sir. And she starts doing a bowing gesture. <laughs> And then we get some one-on-one time with Katie's mom and Blake. And she asks Blake if he's ready to marry her. And he says he wants to make sure it's the right thing. And Katie's mom wants to know if they're going to move in together. And he says, that's all stuff we need to work out. I agree with you on that, Blake. Blake says that he does love her daughter. So he issues an LL4 to the mom here. And he doesn't know exactly what the next two days will hold, but he doesn't want to fuck up their relationship. He tells Katie's mom that it's been years since he's been in love. And had it reciprocated. And the mom actually glows him and Katie here. She says she can see it. And Blake is excited about giving himself to Katie. Because he knows how happy she's going to be. I mean, Blake is just, he's a solid player. A hundred percent. Look, this motherfucker survived Bachelorette season 16. All of Three it. pandemic bachelorette seasons. <laughs> he was in 16 from day one through the, basically the whole fucking end of it when he was doing the spirit healer that gave him a boner in the desert with Tasha, And then he came into this season late. He's really done some amazing things in terms of play, achieved some incredible goals. I mean, he crashed a season and won a ring. I don't know how we know this, but he probably has the record for most... Uh, bachelorette COVID tests. Oh my God, he has to. After getting this glow from Thurston's mom, he says, I know how happy she's going to be. He, produ- he pulls tears from Katie's mom and who says she seems so happy. That's all that matters to a parent. Hope you care as much as two years as you do now. Blake and Katie <laughs> get back together and she says, how did it go? He says, craziness. It's again these like quick <laughs> lines that he then covers up with making out. And the only other way we know what he's thinking is these ITMs. He says, My intent coming here was to propose and get engaged, but there's a difference between talking about it and doing it. There's a lot of expectations. I'm just stressed out. And we cut back to the studio. And Taisha and Bristow riff on Aunt Lindsay. Taisha, Aunt Lindsay was not messing around. Bristow, zero chill. <laughs> and they 
load that did this confrontation with Aunt Lindsay blow up the relationship? Literally, the phrase is said, Katie's family may have ruined everything. What? I mean, that's clearly not true. And this is what I'm saying. Once they have LL Ford one another in the prior portion, the show is over. There is no drama. And yet they're trying to trump it up at every turn here. Basically, every commercial break needs one of these cliffhanger questions like, are they going to stay together? Or is this the straw that broke the camel's back? There is no drama in, in anything they're doing here to me. I'm just like, come on. Can he please propose and let's see Grippo. Portion nine begins. It is the night portion of their final date together. Katie waits for Blake uh, out in the middle of the desert. We get a hug, no hooju, and she tells him she has a special, more serious date planned for them for this last date. And they walk off into the night. They enter a series of tiki torches on a little path and they meet an energy healer named Felicia. Felicia was my Jorge, 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 Jorge Moreno, bystander of the week. Felicia was also my Jorge, 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 Jorge Moreno. Bystander of the week. Felicia tells Blake and Katie about Zozobra, which is a Santa Fe tradition that features people writing their fears and anxieties on slips of paper to be burned with a giant 50-foot statue of a demon named Zozobra. And indeed, we see that Felicia is standing in front of a giant wooden demon Zozobra. This is a recall of a bunch of different dates that we've already seen in the bubble seasons. Claire burning her dress in the desert, most notably getting rid of the kind of negative things that she did with Jason on that date where they wrote down negative things they thought about themselves on clay tablets and smashed them in the desert, and then she burned her dress. But uh, in this moment, Blake and Katie go to separate stools in the desert night, and they write down things they want to release, and then Blake reads his list. He dreads being stagnant. He's so picky and serious because he gets scared of wanting to change in the face of a commitment as big as marriage. But Katie has eliminated all of his fears. Then we get a shot of them standing in front of this giant demon. And Katie lets go of her fear of not being pretty or of being abandoned, fear of heartbreak, being alone, losing Blake. And she's ready to move past these fears with him next to her. It's almost like pre-wedding vows are being exchanged here. We get a kiss. And then they put their fears in a little wooden box and they put it under Zozobra's dress. And the eyes of this fucking giant statue glow red. They light it (laughs) on fire. And we are looking at our lead and her ring winner standing in front of a giant demon with glowing red eyes bathed in fire. I don't even have to make the meme. Just a picture of this will do. And I can upload it straight to my fucking Instagram. And I have to ask myself, are the producers now literally making the show for me? They're, they're putting memes in the show that I would fucking make. Are they making the show for me, though? Because there's also a tradition at Burning Man where they... <laughs> <laughs> there's this structure that is called the temple, and it's basically meant to be a place where people go mourn people, and they can write 
personal messages and stuff that you put in the temple and then that burns on the last night. Mm. Could be. Maybe they're making it for both of us. But the burning Zozobra <laughs> statue is the end of portion nine. And we begin portion 10 with Tisha and Caitlin uh, drumming up this drama that isn't actually real. What is going to happen between them? Blah, blah, blah. And back at the Tamaya Resort, we see Tasha holding a telephonic device. And on this device is a person that she is FaceTiming with. That person is another demon. It is the demon Neil Lane, the diamond supplier of the franchise. And she says, Neil, I'm going to need some rings as soon as possible. As though these rings aren't already there. Like they're having them fucking airlifted in or something. This big emergency for Neil Lane. But this is, uh, I believe, this is how they are satisfying his contract to appear on screen. Yes. I agree. Having the remote demon definitely seems like it's part of the advertisement deal. (laughs) (laughs) Because we need to make sure that we know that they're Neil Lane's rings and not Tasha's rings as she presents them to Moines. We see a bird on a fence post and we see a deer look up, both not my creatures. Same. Katie opens up. <laughs> Great. Katie opens up her curtains. She journals on a balcony. I came here to fall in love, but not just any kind of love, but the forever kind. I do at the bottom of my heart feel it's Blake. Missing piece to my life. I didn't even know what was missing until I met him. Now he's in my life. I don't want to ever experience a day without him. And Taisha presents Blake Moines with the sparklers. Oh my God. These fucking sparklers. There was, it was just rows of sparklers. There's a hundred sparklers on this fucking table. And Taisha is sitting there in the position of Neil Lane. She's the one presenting the rings to him as though she's a jeweler. So the FaceTime with the demon was a lie. she's not his ex-girlfriend, too. <laughs> she saw his fucking boner in the desert after the fucking spirit healer coaxed a boner out of him with her crystal. And now she's helping him find fucking rings after she just FaceTime with the demon Neil Lane lying, essentially, about needing rings fucking flown out. Those rings were there from the beginning. And then Blake is doing this fucking weird acting job about being nervous as though there's any possibility he's not going to propose to her. And then we start getting these extreme close-up product shots. You keep saying this. I didn't know if he would propose or not. So Mm. it worked on some of the fourth audience. And I could be wrong. Scholars. I I could be wrong about it. This is just my interpretation of it. Maybe he really was nervous. But Mm -hmm. to me, at least in the way they constructed the show, hitting a cliffhanger at the end of every segment like is he gonna propose or not it just all felt very not real to me yeah i feel like their cliffhangers like they present two options and the more positive of the ones that's gonna be what it is Mm -hmm. so it's like are they gonna break up or stay together they'll do that if there's no proposal and then it's are they gonna propose or not they'll do that if there is a proposal Mm -hmm. So right. that you're like hoping for the positive thing and then it happens. At least for the end cliffhanger. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, but again, I was not sure. <laughs> Tricked again. I couldn't imagine them, especially in this thing. And I know they're contractually obligated to do an advertisement for fucking diamonds. But the amount of close-up shots of fingers twirling the diamonds in the light 
I mean, there were like 15 of these fucking shots and these shots aren't real. I mean, they're, they're acted. The producers are there. The cameraman is standing like a foot away because this is not a telephoto lens shot. This is like right up close and personal. So they're having Tasha and Blake pull each one of these rings out and spin it around for 10 to 15 seconds so they can get a shot of it and put it on TV as a fucking commercial for diamonds. And the idea that this is not a mm-hmm. game show, that there is no material gain associated with it, just falls away immediately. They're literally sitting at a table with a fucking dozen diamonds. Can I tell you what they just did on the Love Island episode I watched? This is not a spoiler. They got a lingerie party sponsored by Fashion Nova, and all of the people like did fashion like pose and all the things and then kept chanting we love fashion nova and then they later do a toast we love fashion nova and the narrator says we're doing a seamless transition into our advertisement for fashion nova it's great <laughs> when they just call it out it's just yeah i remember season 20 here Benjamin they try to Higgins. hide it they went to mcdonald's on a date remember that <laughs> of course we understand legend But after all these ring shots, we see Katie getting ready in her room, and Taysha is company manning hardcore to Blake when he is saying, hey, I don't know if I want to do this. She's saying, this is what you came here to do. You're going to be down on a knee soon. She's really trying to push him that direction. (laughs) The reason you came here, the girl you risked it all for. (laughs) And Blake gets up from the diamond table and says, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this. Very reminiscent, in my opinion, I thought this was all scripted, and it's very reminiscent of in season 24 when Dark Lord Harrison comes in and tells Pilot Pete that he doesn't know if Pruitt is going to show up to the final rose ceremony. And it's like, Mm, of course she is. Sorry, Sluss. It's like, of course she's going to show up. This is all manufactured. I felt like this similarly was a little fake. He ITMs, my mind's overrun. You want clarity, but my head just feels like scrambled eggs. (laughs) I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this. Katie is ITMing. I have zero doubts. I will be leaving here with a ring on my finger and a fiance. And then, wait, we can't skip over Tasha's ultimatum. If you're starting to moins, she says, if you're starting to have hesitations, this is a big deal. She wants to get engaged. If you're not ready for that, something you're still struggling with deciding to do, then you need to let her go. And that's a scripted <laughs> line. The producers wrote that and told her to say it. Do you think Moines isn't even there? <laughs> Fuck, who knows? It's time to let her go, Moines. You said you would propose. And then portion 11 begins. Katie is pondering out the window of the SUV that's taking her to the final altar. She arrives and walks through an archway, and on either side of this archway is a ladder. I don't know if you saw that. She walks the path of pain alone. <laughs> I don't know if you saw that. All <laughs> I see is ladders now. I'm watching what's happening between ladders this whole show. Well, literally, the entrance to the path of pain has two ladders on either side of it. Katie walks through it, and... She ITMs an affirmative precog as she takes her place at the final altar. Blake drives up, ITMing that he's nervous and he loves her, but there are very few decisions you make in life that are as big as this one. And he just wants to breathe, but he can't. The hosts, Tasha, or no, they're co-hosts now, right? Is that their official title? The yeah, co-hosts, co-hosts. Tasha and Caitlin. Ultimate Girl Gang is their official title. I'm sorry. Oh, yes, yes, of course. 
They materialize from the shrubs in the nearby environment, and Tasha takes her place with Caitlin, and they talk about being nervous about Blake proposing or not. Blake emerges from the car, and he tells them both that he's freaking out, and they try to assuage his emotions, telling him he's just nervous. That's okay. This is a moment that everyone's waiting for at the end. Who are they talking about there? Who's everyone? <laughs> is that us? Are they referring to the fourth audience? I think yeah. they are. This is a TV show. This is the big finale of the show you're on, is basically what they're saying. By the way, uh, when it's just Tasha and Caitlin, Tasha says, this could be a fantasy for Katie or a nightmare. It was very DLHN to me to be like, who's going to risk losing their chance of marrying a doctor forever? Speaking of DLHN, the outfit. I don't notice clothes hardly at all. The outfit Tasha is mm-hmm. wearing was like fucking kind of matrixy like tuxedo black sparkly it had a little bit of a sinister vibe and i was like is that the channeling of the dark lord in some way oh i thought it was channeling the dark lord because she's in a suit what what do you like mean a dark suit like it's like a pant i don't know it's like a pantsuit or something oh shit. and like dlh in that moment he would be in a fancy yeah. suit like it's like a wedding totally Anyway, I just thought it was worth noting. Yeah, I like I said, I never noticed clothes. Uh, definitely I noticed that noting. fucking outfit. <laughs> Did you notice what Katie was wearing? No. A dress. It was a green dress. Okay. If you say so. <laughs> I know that's an important part of Bachelor and all that shit. It's just like it's fucking what, lost clothes? on me. Clothes, cars, furniture, Look. anything that has like Can you functional even see purpose. Green? What? Aren't you colorblind? Can't you yeah. not see red or green? Well, they're not invisible to me. They just look very similar. I, I know, <laughs> like, it's not like she's fucking not there. It's not like camouflage. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I guess I don't understand what colorblind it means. <laughs> it means that for me, red and green are very similar in tone, and it requires like. Mm kind of an extreme version of them for me to be able to distinguish that's mm. all so then wines walks the path of pain between the two ladders okay he says hi you look so good he says you look gorgeous they hold hands he says just take a second and breathe and katie does her final rose ceremony speech i always thought you showed up late but if there's anything i learned during our journey together it's that love shows up when it wants regardless of time tradition expectations and that's why we're standing here in this very moment you showed up exactly when you were meant to show up i'll forever be thankful that you fought to be here never forget the moment we first met chemistry was instant but i never knew i'd be falling head over heels in love with you produces tears you're caring and supportive and confident and passionate and you love me for me and that's a love i never knew existed the night you said you love me changed my life forever in that moment i knew i wanted to love you for the rest of my life you and only you you have made me the happiest woman alive and in a world of change i want to be your constant i love you today tomorrow and forever i can't wait for our adventures to begin i wish she would have said it like that just fucking as fast as she could (laughs) reading it off of one of our maniac documents (laughs) and he's just like uh okay i Cannot stop typing every single word that happens on screen, and I have to Listen, stop. You just fucking read that. I was reading it off my own goddamn screen, my own notes. I've also <laughs> made the same fucking notes. It's like that's all we do now. We just transcribe verbatim what's happening and then read back through yeah. and talk. It's like we need a better way. We've gone to. We do need a better way. We've I literally can't type more than I'm typing, but I need to find a way to type less. 
So then uh, it's Blake's <laughs> turn and he looks around for what seems like 10 minutes without saying anything. And then he says, since day one, it's been a connection and understanding that seemed too good to be true. But he knew the moment that he first met her, she called him trouble or the way that she looked at him in the concert. Just a recap of their dates, basically. He talks about their ability to Faster. communicate with words and he knows how great <laughs> she's going to be in mother. <laughs> there are things that scare her and she's, I can't do this. She's had a compromise. <laughs> he doesn't want to do that with him. But he can't give her what she came because you deserve a lot more than that you deserve the world and i'm excited to support you every day moving forward and so oh i don't know God. if i did that properly but basically in this he does this thing where he's like and but you deserve more than that and it seems like he's trying to trick her into thinking he's not going to propose but then indeed he says you deserve the world so what he means is you deserve more than i've even said here it's a little bit of a weird hitch mm-hmm. in this speech i thought but nonetheless he gets down on that knee. He does that proposal. We get that hero shot of the ring where it's just a dead on fucking straight shot of the box opening with the Neil Lane logo. The diamond sparkles. And she accepts. Thurston produces tears. It feels like a very 40-hour moment. Oh, when he said, when he proposed and he said Katie Lane Thurston, I was like, wow, part of their deal is she has to take Neil Lane as her middle name. <laughs> <laughs> a bargain with the devil. <laughs> Might as well fuck it. Probably just a happy coincidence. She says yes to the proposal. She says, I hate you and I love you. They're making out. There's one last thing for me to do. Will you accept this rose? He gets the final rose. They scream, we're engaged. They make out. Kitty, this was meant to be this exact moment. This is the start of forever. Honey Bear calls him the nickname that we had seen on the jersey. And then like the most 40 hour moment ever the ultimate girl gang runs over to this desert gem and they scream yes you're engaged she's engaged even before that though katie does a little hooju a little mini hooju (gasps) in the fucking dress at the final altar there's no running there's no approach but she just kind of leaps up on him and puts her legs around him even in the dress i did notice she was wearing a dress (gasps) i did not know what color it was but i'm not a high slit dress no hooju no it was like... How did she hoodoo him then? It, the dress just kind of folded it's around him. A, it's gotta have... Okay. There's no slit in it. I'll have to look at There it. was just enough of the dress no that slit. she was able to kind of... It was just kinda, loose? Yeah, mm. she wraps her legs around him. And I, it was a, a moment worth noting that, of course, the player has the most hoodoos in history, I think. I don't have that actual stat, but just from mm-hmm. my personal wherewithal, the amount of information I've taken in about our beloved game, I cannot... Mm-hmm think of anyone who's even close to the number no. of hooju she has and of course in her final moment in game she's going to deliver a fucking hooju beautifully done i love this we talked about this we were like will we see a hooju at the final rose ceremony and it seemed impossible but here we have history it. has been made i was hoping there would be a twist and thurston would propose to moines but it was still a very satisfying ending for me and even more satisfying, we get this very 40-hour moment after this where the ultimate girl gang runs over and they scream, yes, Bristow, you're engaged, she's engaged. And then we saw something that I thought was going to make your whole season. What? Caitlin and Tasha ting their glasses together. That's just a fucking cheers. That ain't a damn ting. If they would have brought out a knife and touched it to glass, <laughs> I would have lost my mind. They did not do that, though. They just cheersed. I'm not going to give them a ting for a cheers. That means everybody this season tinged. 
it felt like an effective, like a cheers that was effectively a ting. <laughs> in my right, opinion. Regular season over. Ting. All right, I'll give you that. It did serve the function of a final season bell. Tasha says, congrats to future Mr. and Mrs. Moines. And then Tasha says, we watched two people fall in love from start to finish. KB, 1,000% they couldn't do it without us. Tasha, you're welcome, America, Caitlin, and Canada. I thought that was great, taking credit for all of this. And uh, Yes, me too. It's, it's funny. I mean, they're like comedic in a way that DLH never was, and I do think that works very well. And mm-hmm. then we see our happy couple. You always got to leave the altar after you're engaged. We saw Tasha do it with Zach Clark in a wooden New York City taxi. And here we see Katie Thurston and Blake Moines climb on top of two horses. These horses were strutting their stuff as they carried away the first bachelorette to have come from 11th place in our beloved game. The first bachelorette to exit the limo carrying a dildo. The first player to date three consecutive bachelorettes in a row. The first male player to crash a season and win a ring. These horses were mine. <laughs> Creature of the week. That was a beautiful poem. A beautiful homage. I mean, it's all just true. And these horses who end up actually having a recurring role as they start in the tag as well were also my. <laughs> Creature of the week. Bristow says this is literally what dreams are made of, and I think these horses are exactly part of that dream. I agree. I don't know if these horses knew who exactly they were carrying around that New Mexican desert, but these are some high-level horses carrying some high-level players. And we cut back to the studio. The audience is clapping. Tasha and Caitlin congratulate everyone, and they tease in the next portion... We're about to see Grippo make his return for an explosive portion number 12. Portion number 12 begins with a heartbreak hot seat of Greg Grippo. Bristow asks how he's doing. He says, I'm good. Hanging in Jersey. He says laying low in New Jersey. So we're already getting the tone that he knows people are fucking pissed at him. Bristow says it was... It's strange after seeing Katie get engaged, but what about Katie made you feel like she could be the one? Grippo says, I had no idea what to expect. I got the fimp. We had the shared bond of the passing of our fathers. I didn't know I was unhappy until Katie showed me how happy I could be. Haven't opened up to anybody in my entire life. Gave her everything. Wanted something back. So he's laying in his storyline as well with this. Bristow says, after the hometown date, what were you hoping to have from her in that conversation? Grippo says, get back on the same page. Hard for her to completely open up her heart to me. She didn't want to say those words. And Bristow asks, would you have done anything differently? And he says, I truly believe everything happened for a reason. She found her person. I'm grateful for her. She brought happiness when I didn't know it was missing. And he says he has no regrets. And the tone that he is answering all these questions with is very soft. This is a return to shy style. His voice is not being raised at all. 
He does have a plan here. He knows exactly how he has to behave in this hot seat in order to possibly mm-hmm. undo any of the damage that he did with his self-elimination. We then get the heartbreak reunion hot seat. Katie and Grippo and Thurston, in order to get to her part of the hot seat, walks directly by Grippo. No hug, no handshake. The audience goes, whoa. And we're fucking guns blazing. This shit was fucking unreal. You knew immediately, like, okay, we're fucking in for some shit. Caitlin even says, you can feel the tension. Correct. You can. I could feel it on my fucking couch. (laughs) Katie says, I don't know where to start. I never felt you actually intended to ever get engaged. Saying I'm not validating you enough. You got the FIMP. You got the first one-on-one. You got a second one-on-one date. Every single group date, I'm giving you validation every single week. And for that hometown to go as perfectly as it did until the very end and for you to do a 180, I feel like you were looking for the perfect opportunity to escape because you were never ready for an engagement. Grippo, I'm honestly so confused as to why you'd think that. Wow. Katie, you said I fill a hole in your heart and yet you treated me the way you did. You spoke down to me. You didn't even bother to say goodbye. You say you love me, but I don't think you know what love is because that was a time I needed you the most and you ran away. Grippo, I had every clear intention of getting engaged. I wouldn't have introduced you to my family if I didn't. So I understand that you're, you found what you were looking for, Katie. Oh, absolutely. I'm very happy. (laughs) (laughs) Grippo, I'm so glad for you. (laughs) And then at some point in this, we get the idea. This is very contentious. Katie is coming at this conversation unrelenting, unforgiving, just like, fuck you, dude, especially now that she's watched it back. She's seen the parasocial reaction to everything that's gone on, and she is taking this elevated position. She is now the one in control of this conversation, and he's the one kind of backpedaling through it all, trying to not seem aggressive, trying to not relive the hostility that he put forth in his self-elimination. And Katie then brings out this thing where she's like, you just wanted the experience and the exposure and the acting practice. She is going fucking hard at Grippo. And Grippo starts laughing when she says the acting practice thing. And Grippo says... He says the acting? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then he's like, look, I'm not Meryl Streep. And Katie's like, yeah, no shit, basically. Now insulting him. Insulting him, one, for trying to be an actor, and then two, for being a bad actor. <laughs> being bad, Yeah. <laughs> And Bristow steps in here. She goes, I don't think a lot of people know what we're talking about here. Katie, where is this acting accusation coming from? And here we see a couple of things in this moment. A clear acknowledgement of the levels of the fourth audience that some of us are following all this extra social media shit. Some of us are not. But also the idea. Some of us have seen his acting school report cards. (laughs) Yes, some of us. I don't know who those people are, but some. A lot of normal, cool people. (laughs) Cool or not, the idea here is that what happens in the parasocial world can have direct effect on what happens in the document. Actual gameplay here, because this is really his last chance to prove to the fourth audience, the third audience, whoever's watching this, that maybe he could be Bachelor. And the producers are watching this to see, could he be? Is he going to turn this around enough that we might be able to put him out there? And so this thing 
that has come from the parasocial world is now having an effect on what is actually happening in the game. Caitlin Bristow drags it into the game and says, Katie, explain what this parasocial event is that you're talking about. And she does. She says, once we got out, a lot of things I was hearing about you going to acting school, it's fine. You can want to be an actor and want to be on the show. That's not the problem. The problem is if you're acting with me. What I've been hearing is, Grippo, you're not actually this shy guy act he's been doing on the show. He's actually this very confident, cocky boy from Jersey who knows that he's hot shit and this is an act. Paired with those rumors and acting school, I'm really not sure if I know who Greg is. And it's unclear here who they're trying to indicate is winning this argument. They show the audience applauding for lines by both of them. It's kind of like a a presidential debate, you know, where you're influenced by the applause. Totally. But them allowing the acting school thing into this makes me think it, they've given up on him for Crown. Interesting. Well, I mean, look, we are getting information now about Tyler Cameron breaking up with his girlfriend in a very strange piece of timing, if you ask me. And I, I don't know. I think we may see TC as the next Bachelor, in which case, Grippo ain't got no shot. Nobody has a chance. I mean, that's, that is the biggest name they could right. possibly have from within the franchise, obviously. Do you think they'll pay him $1 million? If they follow our instructions, they should. That may be how they got him. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Katie goes on. It's not even about the acting. It's the way you treated me, the way you said you were so in love that I filled a hole. The first second things got awkward, you ran. You're a liar. If you think that's love, you don't know what love is. Grippo, it didn't feel like you were on the same level. And she said, I had three relationships, continuing to be as open as a bachelorette dating multiple men I was falling for. That's how this works. She's talking about the process here. He says, I'm sorry if you feel like I was talking down to you. And Katie says, gaslighting, I think, is probably a better word. And we see shocked audience faces at the evoking of the gaslighting term. Grippo, I was passionate in that moment. Katie, passion? You were rude. Do you want to apologize? That's how you speak to your potential future right wife? How you resolve a disagreement? And Bristow steps in again. Katie, gaslighting is a strong term. Can you explain? <laughs> Can you explain your 14WR acting school accusation? Can you explain this term gaslighting? And she gives a loose description. It's when you make a person feel like it's their fault and you came at me as if I did something so horrible I made you want to leave. Then I see you were like off saying we're on different pages you could have been a man and had a conversation instead of being so rude and dramatic and leaving without even saying goodbye grippo i'm sorry you feel like that <laughs> this gaslighting thing along with the acting school thing more and more we are seeing the fourth audience have a fucking real effect on the game the gaslighting thing yeah. was all fourth audience that happened after the show aired and there were articles written about it. That's fourth audience. There obviously was a huge amount of social media discussion about it. All fourth audience. And now that conversation got so loud. Katie posted gaslighting resources on her Instagram story. Exactly. And that conversation got so loud that here now it became a part of the fucking after the final rose. Fascinating to me. And I think the level of involvement with the fourth audience is only going to increase as Mm -hmm. Other seasons happen. Crippo transitions maybe into sort of a real apology saying, I'm sorry the way things ended between us. 
it was a tough environment. Katie says it was tough for everyone. You said you have no regrets. Grippo, I just said I'm sorry for making you feel like that. I wish I could go back then and change how I communicated my feelings. My head was in a million places at once. I didn't want to leave in that moment. Bristow asks, is there anything you wish you could have said, Katie? Katie says, I did everything I could, literally on my knees, begging him on my knees. Had He had the nerve to look down at me and say I deserve more. It feels shady. Grippo says, it was you telling my mom I was a front runner while I was saying you were the one. He basically is insulting the fact that she was using gameplay speech to describe whatever their relationship was, wherever they were in the process. Mm-hmm. And he's like, That's, that wasn't real to me. And then Caitlin interjects with the fact that they have to take a break. And we come back for portion 13. We're still in this hot seat. And he says, she says we have so much more. And Katie says, nah, please take it. <laughs> yeah. Which they don't because they know this is where they're going to get their do not. ratings. And Grippo comes back in portion 13 saying that he felt like he gave her his full self. He's sorry that she questions his integrity. He got scared by the terminology she was using and felt she was playing the bachelorette role with him instead of just being Katie. He respects her level of a four decision, but it also withheld some emotions and being able to vocalize how she truly felt in some of the moments. And he also wanted certainty on his end. And she says, if you really did love me, you would have stayed. You wouldn't have left but you did leave. And he says he doesn't think that's fair. I think that's perfectly fair. If it's true, if he really actually loved her and they had one little misunderstanding, he wouldn't have fucking done what he did. But he maintains that he shouldn't have to ask the woman he's thinking of marrying to tell her how she feels. And he says he doesn't think he was any higher than her because she was the bachelorette. And it's a two-way street. This gets massive crowd applause here. I don't know if these... The that, are I real. feel like was a scripted line. Totally. I think it was a scripted line, but I also don't know if the sound is real. I don't know if the audience clapping for this is real or not. Mm. And if they are sweetening the audio, to what end? And that, in this case, it seems like they're trying to defend him a little bit. He says, I emptied my heart out to you on that couch. All I got was a pat on the back. I just wanted something real. You knew what I wanted to hear. And she says, it's not fair to give me an ultimatum. And he says, I wasn't giving you an ultimatum. And she says... You just said if I really wanted you to stay, I would have basically told you I loved you. And Grippo's post-mortem love level four ultimatum was my error, 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 error of the game. I am not a therapist in any sense of <laughs> anything. But this felt like he was doubling down on the gaslighting, saying, I just wanted you to love level for me. I didn't give you an ultimatum. It's like, the, those are the same things. Um, and saying, I'm sorry you feel that way over and over again. But I don't think he did. I don't think he did enough here to get back what he lost with the fourth audience last week. Well, look, if Tyler Cameron's The Bachelor, it's all this shit is academic. Like, it doesn't fucking matter. He could have done anything here, and it just doesn't matter. With time, though, if he can maintain some level of interest within The Bachelor world, who knows what happens in the future? Maybe he winds up on a paradise next year. Who knows? I don't think mm-hmm. he's necessarily out of the game forever, because he is a kind of lightning rod at this point. People have very strong opinions about him. And that's always something that look, Thomas is in paradise. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thomas is in paradise and looking to date Becca Kufrin by at least what they showed us. 
So <laughs> I wouldn't count Grippo out what? just yet, but I agree with you. I, I felt like ultimately he did not come off very well in this, but this entire conversation ultimately ends with Grippo wishing Katie nothing but the best. And she does the same through a kind of clenched tooth smile. And then Blake <laughs> is up next uh, when we return from another commercial break. And portion 14 begins with Moines coming out for his hot seat with Katie. They kiss. And Tasha and Caitlin demand to see the sparkler, and we see the materialism and greed of the show on full display, just as it always was. And Tasha is the one who takes over DLH's role in this moment, who demands to see the sparkler for herself. And Katie tells everybody that her family is just finding out now about the engagement, and they make jokes about Aunt Lindsay. <laughs> I wish she would have been there so fucking bad. Tasha asks when... You knew you were totally head over heels in love. Moines brings up the hockey date again, taking off the heels, saying, fuck, I love that girl. And Tasha asks, when did, Katie, when did you know you were bleeping in love with Blake Moines? She says, probably on hometowns. We're not even the same couple as when we got engaged. We're so much more already. And Bristow asks about Moines coming into the journey late. He said he had a crazy intuition and a feeling they would hit it off because they're so similar. Katie thinks it's romantic that he came onto the show because she could have turned him away and he could have looked dumb. Tasha asks about that moment when he proposed and she says, in the moment when I thought maybe he wasn't ready for an engagement, I tried to hide my sadness. So I was truly shocked. He's such a prankster. And Blake says that it all started getting real to him when he was looking at the rings. And then we come back in portion 15. Katie says everything was worth it. And Blake is exactly who she's supposed to be with. She produces some tears and says she's just so lucky. She is so in love with him. And Katie then thanks our co-hosts. She thanks Tasha for introducing her to Blake. And she thanks Caitlin for picking her up when she was at her lowest. She wouldn't have made it through this if it wasn't for the support of the ladies. And once again, I was reminded... How that. in the fuck would this have gone down with DLH sitting in that chair? The answer is, it would not have. This feeling you get, this thing they are conveying to us, that our lead and our hosts are actually friends, and that the hosts actually serve some function other than just structural in this game, I thought was fantastic. And really, it was, for me, the kind of crowned jewel of what Tasha and Caitlin were able to do. They did humanize the role of hosts in a way that DLH never could. It was one of the things I was looking forward to most this season was seeing how Caitlin and Tasha were going to play this. And I thought they did amazingly. And this episode truly for me was the best of their hosting. Like that, the moment, and we'll, fuck, we'll get to it, but when they're in the tag talking about like, okay, okay, now let's go help Michelle. It was so cute and such a like, okay, now we're going to watch these two as they continue on their adventures of helping people mm -hmm. find love as opposed to like, you know, blank cipher. My favorite moment, I have to say, of any of the hosting was when Caitlin Bristow performed a Huju on Jason Tardick on the double date <laughs> with Connor the Catman B. That shit was mind-blowing. It was just like immediately you are reminded of what a fucking incredible player she was. But that's just me personally. It's a hooju. As you know, I like the sub sport. I loved Katie uh, praising the host, basically praising the process here. And then Blake Moines has a little 4TR moment himself. Just want to say how proud I am of you, the way you carried yourself. 
Also, the way you carry yourself is also really sexy. Getting in that brand there. And then he goes into this thing where he's like, and I guess what I'm trying to say is, and some music starts playing in the studio. It is the song, uh, (laughs) I Want to Memorize You or whatever, that was playing on their one-on-one date. And we start to see a bunch of guys who are all plants in the audience standing up with boom boxes, none of which are actually playing the music. The music is coming from the speakers inside the studio there, not from these guys' boom boxes. But it's like every other person is a dude with a boom box in the fucking audience. It was so <laughs> strange to me. But it works. They kiss. They sway to the music. Taysha produces tears. Katie produces tears. They thank the studio audience and they thank the fourth audience. Caitlin says they hope that uh, she and Taysha made us proud. Indeed, they did. And next Monday, Bachelor in Paradise will be back. And then we get a sneak peek of Bachelor in Paradise. And this shit was almost too much for me to handle. We hear the announcer, America (laughs) has waited two long years. We see Kelsey drinking from her giant bottle of champagne that was gifted to her by Ashley Iaconetti. I mean, I'm assuming that's not the same bottle, but that's what we're led to believe. <laughs> yeah, it's like, wait, what? <laughs> how do you have more info on this Do you bottle? remember when she gave her the bottle for being the best crier? Yeah, but the one in the promo. Uh, yeah, it's probably not the same bottle, but, you know, whatever. Yeah. I remember this. She's things. keeping up her branding. Yeah. Uh, we see a bunch of kissing. We see players crawling around in the sand. We see little John. Yeah, yeah. We see a pool. We see Riley saying the phrase, time will tell. Is he in the pit? Time will tell. We see a bunch of guys working out. We see Spade. We see Demi Burnett in the house. We see Tia Booth in the house. We see Kenny Brash in the house. We see girls kissing girls and guys kissing guys. We see Grocery Store Joe and Serena P. We see Becca Kufrin dating Thomas, it looks like. We see McKenna show up with brown hair. We see... (laughs) That was a fever dream for me. I can't believe Koof is touching sand. I can't believe she's touching sand. I can't believe it's to date Thomas. (laughs) Then we see Kendall show up to throw a wrench in Grocery Store Joe and Serena P's relationship. We see triangles with Mari Pepin and Demi and Kenny Brash. We see birthday cake being thrown in a fire. We see Aaron and Thomas are about to fight. Brendan Marias is getting mad at somebody. We see jet skis. This Bachelor in Paradise season looks fucking crazy. The two-year wait, I think, is going to be worth it. And we only got seven days left to wait until we're fucking right back in the sand. I cannot wait. I, my mind was blown. I, I could, I didn't even like write anything down that happened because I was just like, "What is happening?" <laughs> it's too much. It is too much. I agree. It is way too much. But we're gonna see. Give what, me that content. We're gonna get that glorious content, that juicy content next Monday night. And tonight's big game ended with a tag of Katie and Blake getting on the horses, and Blake complaining that his pants are too tight and they might rip. Then we get Tasha and Bristow saying bristow says i do feel responsible Tasha says i feel like we got to go help michelle bristow michelle you're next i loved this ending they say we did this it's so cute and now they're going to minnesota to see if they can do it again and that was it for our big game tonight that is the finale of historic season 17 of the bachelorette what a season it was what a game it was who was your mvp pace case for his continued use of bold style getting that mom glow getting those those hoojus in even a final rose ceremony hooju for his love level for for him posting about climate change on his instagram stories this week <laughs> blake moines was my 
M M M V P. Who is your MVP? For laying down the law, telling it like it is, and being one tough cookie. Aunt Lindsay was my... No, I'm just kidding. Blake Moines was my... M-M-M-M-M-V-P. I mean... Oh my God, I just went on a roller coaster of emotions in that. He was simply the best player from the moment he showed up, and... You know, tonight's big game really was a season-long strategy that just paid off at the highest, highest levels. Mm -hmm. And although his Instagram follower count as of right now maybe doesn't quite show this, I think he might be the MVP of the bubble seasons, all told. He was the only player to go through two of them successfully. Well, I don't think he's going to get close to Dale Moss's Instagram gains. No, I agree. But in terms of what he did in-game... He has the ring, so he's matched mm-hmm. Moss there. He has more total roses. He has more total time. He's got more total more screen time. art pieces created. He's got all kinds of shit that Moss can't touch because Moss burned out so quickly. He was a very bright, shining yeah. star, but gone as quickly as he came into the game. At any rate, fantastic season. I've enjoyed covering this one with you, Pace Case. And obviously, we've you got to... We've got Bachelor in Paradise in a week. We start again. There is no off season anymore. That is the modern state of the game. I feel so excited for Paradise. I do too. That that promo so got me excited. fucking pumped the fuck I, up. I can't believe Demi is back. I didn't even I didn't even think that could be a thing. And I don't know why I didn't think it. Demi never left. Is she gonna make this season hers again? Is Christian Haggerty gonna be coming back in? I would doubt it. I would doubt it as well. But we are looking forward to covering Bachelor in Paradise for you. And before we go, we just want to say thank you to everybody who has joined us on this ride from the very beginning of Game of Roses, way back in, I believe it was episode six of Hannah Brown's season 15 of The Bachelorette is when we started. Mm -hmm. But even for everybody who was... That pivotal episode. (laughs) It was... We just made a decision. Fuck it. Let's start doing this. But thank you to everybody who started from the beginning. And thank you to everybody who's joined us along the way. We, you know, enjoy doing this, even though it's crazy and it has driven us crazy and put us in a psychological place that we never thought we'd be. We're here now and we continue to do this and have fun with it. So thank you all for coming with us and for buying the T-shirts and pre-ordering our book and voting for us on the podcast awards and all the crazy shit that we're trying to do with the pit. Helping us achieve all these goals. I mean, watching all of these Huju videos everyone is doing, and some people are Hujuing in their Huju t-shirts, it just it brings a, a tear to my eye. Producing tears. Once again, thank you to everybody for coming with us on this weird ride. It's only getting weirder, and I can promise <laughs> shit is going to get crazy. You mean when we go to Stagecoach? <laughs> When we go to Stagecoach, Portal to Hell might open at that point. I'm not exactly sure, but (laughs) we will be covering it when it does. And before we go, as always, what is that dwab at? It has been 7,078 days without an Asian bachelor. 
praise be our beloved game. Please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then If you are a wine lover like myself and you got to have it for your bachelor reviewing parties, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I found the personalized, the most personalized wine club that has amazing wines and exclusive perks called First Leaf. As a First Leaf member, you get to try new wines and I'm guaranteed to enjoy them because they got to know my unique preferences. I answered a few questions on their website, this quiz about the flavors you like, how often you drink wine, Monday nights, if you prefer red, white, or rosé. And based on these, it gives you this amazing selection of wines tailored just for you. And when you rate those wines, it gets even more tailored, a la, you know, uh, Netflix. Just play into the algorithm. My algorithm got me both rosé and white wine, my Mm. favorites, and they were so delicious, and I've gotten to enjoy them with many of my my friends. Look, being part of the First Leaf Wine Club also has perks. As a member, you get access to their incredibly helpful wine concierge. So if you want uh, wine pairing advice or you want to talk about the wines in your box, you can always talk to one of their experts. Plus... You get member-exclusive pricing What's in the box? on every order. Join the club today and discover new wines you'll love with First Leaf. Go to tryfirstleaf.com slash roses to get your first box. That's T-R-Y-F-I-R-S-T-L-E-A-F dot com slash roses. Tryfirstleaf.com slash roses. Creams and serums are made of 70% water, preservatives and emulsifiers, leaving only around 15% for the active ingredients that your skin needs. But luckily now, there's fiber skincare. 15 years ago, the scientists behind fiber skincare started working on nanofibers, which are 500 times smaller than human hair. You know, I I saw that in... um body problem. Mm. One year ago, they patented a way of wrapping the nanofiber around oil or liquid-based ingredients. This means they can deliver five times the active ingredients compared to creams or serums as there is no need for water, preservatives, or emulsifiers. The first formulation made with this technology is plant-based, anti-wrinkle. It's a set of patches that you use over a series of seven days. You just put these on whenever you would apply your serums and your skin is going to feel tighter in 10 seconds. And over the seven-day program, it has been clinically proven to reduce wrinkles by, get this, 19.4%, a very precise percentage. In fact, Mm. they have a tighter skin guarantee. If your skin isn't tighter in seven days, they're going to give you your money back, no questions asked. You get the tighter skin guarantee with this seven-day routine. Tighter skin or your money back. Get a 15% discount code by using the discount code GAME. That's Fiber Skincare. Sweaters, candles, 
The dreaded bathrobe? Unfortunately, Mother's Day gifts can be a little predictable and boring. That's why an Aura frame is the perfect gift to mix things up this year. It was named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter. Aura frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. My mom loves hers. I'm throwing pictures of Skabooli and our cat up there. She's laughing. She's texting me. He's so cute. I wish I could meet him. It's the next best thing to, to meeting my cat, really. You know, I love that it was so easy to set it up. I've recently learned I'm not good at uh, building things and I need an easy install. And oh. this only takes about two minutes to set up the frame using the Aura app. Aura frames are Wi-Fi connected, come with unlimited storage so you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. She'll be grateful it's not another sweater and she'll love the frame to see more of you. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A, Frames.com. Use code ROSES at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. <laughs> 